the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. Hello and welcome to Freed from the Real, episode 218. I'll be one of your hosts, AJ, and with me is the indestructible Kia Soleil. What's up, guys? As ever, this is the Freed from the Real podcast, bringing all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and things of the offline game of interest to us. One thing of interest to everybody who plays the game is the Dragon's Maze spoiler. Caution may contain nuts and or spoilers. <laughs> yes, but, but mostly spoilers. Uh, I guess some cards are a little nuts here. Yeah, some of these are completely nuts. Um, if I could start with the Possibility Storm. This is a five-mana enchantment, three colorless, two red. Whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it, then exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a card that shares a card type with it. You with me so far? Uh, sure. <laughs> That player may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then he or she puts all the cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of his or her library in a random order. Now, this includes the initial card you, which you cast when you uh, get the spell. So you don't permanently exile that, as some people appear to be thinking on the various um, discussion boards. Um, this essentially means that with this on the board, you could cast Tybalt and end up with Nicole Bolas. Well, that'd be pretty good, and might be the yes. most effective Tybalt of all time. The trouble is, you could also cast uh, Nicol Bolas and end up with Tybalt. Oh, that'd be bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, it seems like your typical wacky, off-the-wall red enchantment that we get every couple of sets. Yep. Um, there's definitely some use for this one, um, especially with obscure card types uh, such as the... Uh, oh, why did we create this one tribal? Uh, you could do something relatively innocent, like, say, uh, uh, was it Wave of Thought Weft, the cheap Kithkin uh, uh, cantrip uh, pump spell? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And wrath the board with all his dust. Well, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> It'd get rid of the possibility storm, but it would get rid of everything. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you let people go crazy and they end up with whatever random spells they end up with after they try to cast them and, and see what happens. It almost it, it's, it almost turns it into a game of, uh, what was it, Mojo Stowe? Mojo, what was it? Essentially. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get a random creature or a random spell or <laughs> random whatever. But it's not that random if you stack your deck appropriately, and if you've got Possibility Storm out, then you can probably stack your deck pretty well. Possibly. Uh, you possibly failing that, there's there's always there's always Soothsay or um, uh, Sensei's Divining Top to make sure that when you cast a spell, you get the really nice one you wanted. Yeah, yeah. Because I was just thinking about that. I was like, well, you could brainstorm and stack it. I'm like, oh well, when you brainstorm to go stack your library, then you get who knows what. So yeah, it would have to be yes. like you said, either Soothsaying or. Divining top or something to that effect. 
Yeah. Still on the library, that sort of thing. Yeah. Fun little card. Anything catch your eye? Yes. Um, and unsurprisingly, for the most part, there's some of our more aggressive cards uh, that we have in the set. Um, in this case, two of the legendary champions really stood out to me. The first of which is Excava, Rakdos Bloodwitch. Ah, yes. The nice, cute, cuddly um, champion of the uh, Rakdos guild. Yeah. I wouldn't cuddle too close with the, the sword and the, all the other spiky bits, but I'm a fan. A four mana, three, three, with first strike, haste, and unleash. Uh, so effectively making her a four, four, first strike, haste. And all other creatures you control with a plus one, plus one counter on them gain haste. So pretty potent uh, creature there, and certainly good with all your other, you know, cards you can play. Um, giving, um, what is his name? Old Devil. The one mana, one, um, one with unleash. Yeah, the Unleashed Devil guy. Mm-hmm. And could potentially make some of the other Unleashed guys playable, and, and maybe there's some additional ones we get in this set as well to add to our army of hasty beatdown guys. On top of that, every single um, uh, guy with Scavenge from the Golgari, everything with Evolve from the Simic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if there was some way, if there was a good way to discard, like I could see almost playing the zero-cost scavenge guy. When, so when you get Excava, it's a way to you know, play any other random creature and be like, oh, and for zero mana, he gets plus one, plus one, and haste. Smash. Yes. Um, so that one stood out to me. And then the other one was actually the preview card given here at Pure MTGO by Pete John, uh, Tajik Blade of the Legion. Mostly because yes. I like the idea of four mana, seven, seven, that are indestructible. That's, I have to admit, that is something which I'm pretty cool on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he fits very well into like the aggressive decks. Again, there's ways to give him haste, and you know, in the the, the Naya style aggro decks we have right now, it's very easy just to slap a ranker on him because you know I know the arguments can be like, oh, you just block him with you know your lingering souls tokens for four turns. He doesn't do anything. Well, if he's got trample, he's gonna do a little something. Yep, and of course he survives wrath. He survives um, uh, bonfire he survives pretty much everything really um yeah the only thing that comes to mind is devour flesh that's commonly played liliana would get him but they had he has to yeah. be alone so really you have to like wrap the board and then hope that they don't play that they don't have another creature to play to back him right back up and then be able to sack make him sack out now the thought occurs that this is um a fixed version of no less than two other cards. Firstly, um, uh, Konda, Lord of Iganjo, the uh, seven mana three three with Bushido five, who also could turn into a uh, uh, whopping great uh, huge thing on attack and defense, but only if he was blocked or blocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like many other things in Kamigawa, he had a few problems. Yeah. Now, the other thing which springs to mind is Agris Kos, the original uh, Boros champion. He was a 3-3 uh, three, three for 5, who gave all your red creatures plus 2, plus 0, and all your white creatures plus 0, plus 2, when he attacked or blocked. Mm-hmm. So he made himself a 5-5 five, five in those instances, and pumped up the yeah. rest of the team. Yes. He was the uh, Sam 
And guys, the Decapod. Yes. Uh, so yeah. Hopefully he won't follow in their footsteps and we'll see a little more play, potentially. Yeah. I certainly like him, and I'm going to give him a shot in those decks, because it's hard to resist the allure, especially with all the options we have right now for, for granting haste in those style of decks. So. Yeah. Is indestructible is pretty much a magic word anyway. Yes, it's certainly worth investigating whenever, you, whenever something is indestructible and costs a reasonable amount of mana. Or if they don't, I mean, yeah. look at... Even um, if it's unreasonable, yeah. We've had uh, 11 and uh, 12 costing indestructible creatures do rather well. Yeah, but most people don't pay 11 or 12 for them. Referring to the well, Colossi. Some, well, sometimes people paid uh, 9 for them back in the day. Yeah, that's true. Or they, you know, cheat and use lands that add more than one mana. But either way, they weren't... I'm talking about playing this guy fair, you know. Fair? At what <laughs> point in our negotiations did you think I was being fair? <laughs> I'll leave the mad science to you. I'm just going to play cheap guys and turn up sideways. Fair enough. What else do you, what else of, do you have in the lab? Yeah. Speaking of mad science and uh, doing horrible things to the person sitting across from you, Master of Cruelty has caught my eye. A fun little demon who um, has a rather unassuming one for stat block, first strike and death touch, uh, five mana, of which three colorless, one black, and one red. And Master Crawdies can only attack alone. So basically, he's the, you'll hold my beer and watch this guy. <laughs> yeah, but he has he has quite the trick that he does for you to watch. Yes. When Whenever Master Crawdies attacks a player and isn't blocked, that player's life total becomes one. Master of Cruelties assign no combat damage this combat. Yeah. Doesn't, um, yeah. It sets their life total to um, Hornet Sting range, if we want to be really humiliating about it. Yeah, I actually like this card a lot too, um, especially given that Standard right now is in a place that actually has life gain playing a pretty prominent role in the format between... Thrag Tusks and Centaur Healers being played to, you know, stave off aggro decks to Sphinx's Revelation, a life gain card that doesn't come out in control matchups because it draws cards. Master of Cruelties really gives the potential for a Jun deck to, you know, if you can get into a position where you can control the board long enough, even if they've already gained a lot of life and they've gone to 28, I swing in with him once, you're back down to one, and I can Pillar of Flame you, I can... You know, Rakdos's, uh return you for one. I can Searing Spear you, and you're all... Either way, you're gone. You're done. You have life gain? How cute. Yeah. I'll attack you with my 27-4, essentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me in a way... A, quite some time ago, I was actually keeping up with Vintage once upon a time, and I remember there was a point when... Um, what was Mike Long's invitational card? Root Water Thief? Is that the name? Yeah, it was on, yeah. Yeah, he was... People joked that he was a 10-2. Um, because what he did was if you paid a mana, he could, when he attacked, you got to extract and uh, exile a card from your opponent's library. And the idea was that because there were so many decks that had two cards that they were looking for to kill you at the time, that you would attack once, you'd remove one of their win conditions, you'd attack a second time with the other win condition, and then you were free to just beat them to death with the root water thieves. Yep. 
it kind of reminds me of that in a way, but for you know a normal format. Well, it was a normal format back in the day. If you think about it, it's just what was normal back then was um, crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very crazy time. Uh, speaking of crazy, we have a new twist on an old concept card that's been given to us, and that is Obzadat's Aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, a white, and a black sorcery. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Doesn't seem that exciting, just, you know, five mana reanimate spell is what I first thought when I read it. But then, as my co-host so lovingly pointed out, Planeswalkers are permanent cards. This is indeed the first card to return a Planeswalker from the graveyard to the battlefield. It also does enchantments, artifacts, and creatures, and for that matter, lands, but, um, hey, you could always get those with other things. Yeah, I mean, that's all boring and passe. I want to I get me back some, some Nicol Bolas or my Soren that got attacked to death or my Liliana that I had to get rid of to make you sack your last creature who's coming right back. Like, yikes, that seems good. Yep, that's um, quite the powerful card. I wonder if we'll see... Um, a sort of bizarre crossover between Reanimator and Super Friends. I mean, I wouldn't put it past it, you know, to think of something similar to, like, Solar Flare that was a deck in Standard quite a while back. It was like a blue-white-black deck that had things. Big control finishers like Angel of Despair and then did feature some reanimation aspects as well. And, you know, we seem to be primed that, that could something like that could come about again where you just play so many card advantageous cards, and then when you get to reanimate those cards and generate even more advantage on top of that, it can just overwhelm your opponents. Will we see the first creatureless reanimated deck? That'd be interesting. <laughs> I mean, I never thought we'd see a 42 land deck long, long ago in Magic's early days, but we got there eventually, so yep. I wouldn't put it past it. Fair enough. Now, um, what can you do against this sort of um, insanity? There's a fun little counterspell, Render Silent. One white, two blue, instant, counter-target spell. Its controller can't cast spells this turn. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we took a uh, silence and tacked it onto a counterspell. Yep, and that's original counterspell rather than cancel. So yeah, pretty pretty good in my book. Um, especially when you have those late game situations where people, you know, they've kind of sat back and they've accumulated cards, and they're sending out a test spell to try and be like, well, maybe he'll feel like he has to counter this, and then I'll get to play this. Well, then you could free up that turn. And you're like, nope, just render it silent, and now it's my turn. Come back at you. And needless to say, it works very well against Storm. Yeah. Uh, Mid-combo, rendering your opponent silent seems pretty uh, brutal. Yep. Anything else stand out to you today, AJ? There's one which I think I really need to get back into building Hydra decks for. Savageborn Hydra. One red, one green. X. Creature Hydra, all fairly standard. Savageborn Hydra enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Because, well, it's a Hydra. Mm-hmm. And one and a hybrid, red, 
Green put a plus one, plus one counter on Savage Board Hydra. Activate its ability any time you could play a sorcery. Yeah, seems because pretty standard. Hydra. Hydra-ish. Yeah. Hydra-ish. Double strike. Hey, now. <laughs> yeah. So basically what you're doing is you get three mana for a 1-1 one, one double striker. You're paying four mana for four damage. You're paying five mana for six damage per turn. And you can pump it up bigger than that any time you want. This this is nice. Yeah, that's that's pretty potent. Guys gonna get real real big and real problematic real fast. And if you can't make it real big early on, you can make it real big later. Yeah, the potential just to, you know, in a matchup where you know he's not going to die to damage, just slam him down, turn three, and then next turn, having the potential to attack for six um, by making him a 3-3 double striker can be really good. Or, you know, you have those games where you just wait, and then you slam him down as like a 6-6, then kill them. Yeah. I mean, you could, with a mana elf, or mana dork, I suppose, because not all of them are elves these days, you could drop him on turn two. A mana, um, mana shaman. Mana cleric. Yeah. Mana anything, really. Uh, mind your manners and uh, bam, swing in with a whopping great double striker. And he's um, got plus one, plus one counters on him, which works very well with certain other cards we may have mentioned. Yeah, that's true. It's a nice swing into a Jun-style deck, taking advantage of the plus one, plus one counters available in Rakdos and any of the benefits there, or moving into a rug variant. Um, as far as evolve-type spells are concerned. Well, think about turn 4, Exarva, Rakdos, Blood Witch, into turn 5 of this. Ouch. Exactly. Like the elbow to the face. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's see. I guess that's time for me to pick out a card. Ooh, this one's good. And it's it's kind of simple... But I do like it for its simplicity. It seems like it could have a potential impact somewhere along the way, probably in a more block-type environment. That's Sin Collector. Um, yes. One, a white, and a black for a 2-1. When Sin Collector enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. Then you choose an instant or sorcery card from it and exile that card. And it's not like yep. uh, the – what was it? The, the – Tidehole Scholar. Yeah, Tidehole Scholar, where it's, it's exiled under him of sorts, and then they get it back when he dies. That card's just gone. Um, which is yep. great. Oh, hey, nice end to the infinite. Mm-hmm. Like. Exactly. And, I, you know, or like, I like the idea you slam him turn three, it's like, oh, I get to take away your supreme verdict. Gone and gone, so you can't deal with him. And your opponent's like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, I'll I'll go ahead and cast my Sphinx's Revelation in a couple turns, and I'll find another one. Well, then, turn four, I attack you for two, and I could play a Restoration Angel, flicker my Sin Collector, and, hey, that, that Sphinx's Revelation was nice. I think I'll take that away, too. Yes. Your sins have been purged with your hand. Yeah, exactly. So I'm a I'm a big fan of this card. I think it has the potential to do a lot of good. Yeah. Right. One more? Yeah, sure, give us one more. What you got? I'm in love with the um new split cards with the uh, fuse mechanic. Um the one which really gets um, quite a few people interested is Turn and Burn, the uh, 
is it uh, uncommon one? Instant, uh, two and a blue, target creature loses all abilities and becomes a zero-one weird creature until end of turn. Uh, one and a red, burn, deals two damage to target creature or player. Or you can fuse them for uh, three blue red. Yeah, not a bad deal. It's a you know a five minute instant to kill any creature, any non hexproof creature on the board basically, because they will yep. become a zero one and then die. But even beyond that, there's potential to fuse it and split the targets up and do extra things. Obviously, works just the burn spell. It's the a five mana kill a creature would not be a good card for constructing. It can vary in what it can do in so many ways, and has to be very interesting. Yep, it's also a. Um, uh, it's slightly worse than uh, well, quite a few of the burn spells in the uh, format at the moment, but uh, um, it's one damage less than searing spear. Uh, one mana but more than you can still flame. Yeah, you can still dome someone with it. Yeah, no, it's the the loss of power and the damage is made up for by the flexibility of the card to a great degree. So I think that's yeah. I mean, quite a few times this could end up. Um, uh, what was the old um, uh, Demir card from the first time around? That creature gets zero uh, minus zero minus three. That creature gets minus three minus zero. Uh, warp agony warp. Or warp agony, That's one, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's it's a lot like that card in a way. Uh, and of course, the inf- the infamous uh, "You're not my Hannah" kicker card from uh, uh, Apocalypse Jilt. Yes. Yeah, in that same way where you have the potential to just kind of blow up the board in in a bad combat for your opponent, whether they're attacking or blocking, you can get in a situation where like, yeah, kill that dude. That dude's zero one, so now he's gonna die to my one one that you thought I was chump blocking with, and Ah, all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. That's the best kind of breaking loose. <laughs> yes. As long as it's on the other side of the board where, where it's broken loose. Yes. Okay. Right, so let's uh, move on from spoilers, shall we? Yeah, we'll, we'll have a couple more weeks to, to talk about those, so we'll save a few tasty morsels here and there, and I'm sure we'll get many more to come. Wizards, please deliver more tasty morsels. Yes. Now, we have the uh, a interesting bit of news, which we can't quite um, pinpoint the reason for just yet. And that's the change to the banned and restricted announcements. Uh, they're shifting it forward from April the 29th to April the 22nd. The effective date for activation remains May the 3rd, but um, they're bringing it forward a week as to when they let us know what's going on. Yeah, it's it's such a weird situation that had they and had they left off the last sentence of the announcement, I think we could have made more sense of it. The final line says the reason for this change is due to the development cycle for Magic Online. Um, the I guess I yeah I, I really don't know. I mean, unless there's some information that maybe some people have already from the beta testers of the set, given that the pre-release is coming up, that they want everyone to have a fair playing field for cards that may or may not get banned, or... I, I genuinely don't know. 
especially considering the the data goes into effect. It's not like they're moving up and doing an emergency ban of sorts or anything like that. The date that of the bannings will remain May third, so I really don't understand the announcement. Yeah, maybe it's something to do with the beta on uh, MTGO. Maybe it's uh, something which they think is going to really wreck standard the new set, unless they take a card out of the environment. So I suppose we will find out. Yeah, it's it's very weird. Obviously, we'll know in six days' time, and we'll hopefully be able to talk about it on next week pod next week's podcast, depending on when we're able to record. But you, the listening audience, will know by that time. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to let you know. Heads up, six days, ban and restrict announcement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Let's uh, take a look at the prices. Um, it's kind of just holding steady. A few things are creeping up here and there, but I th- don't think we're going to see any major movement, especially in the block-constructed um, cards, until the Pro Tour happens. A couple just to keep your eye on. Aurelia has creeped up and is continuing to creep up like she has for the last couple of weeks and is at just under seven. And Prime Speaker Zagana is starting to make his way into some decks and has made it to 608 now. Yep. Uh, looking at the high end of the scale, Sphinx's Revelation is at 38 and probably going to continue uh, generating price advantage as much as generates card and life advantage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a significant wallet disadvantage, though. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, but it's a bit nuts. In what else do we have here? M13, we have a couple of standouts. Garouk Primal Hunter, um, who's in a couple of sets, is still holding steady at 1672, despite making it a couple reprints now. Jace, the Memory Adept, is at 1439. He's also been reprinted a couple times, so seeing some heavy play from those cards to make up for... M12 and M13 stock of them. And, of course, the M13 only Thundermall Hellkite is doing a great job of representing at 2689. His potent red cardness. Yep. And Thragtus, just a note, has dipped back down. It, you know, We saw a quick blip up back to around 15 when Reanimator made a resurgence when it came back from the dead in uh, Standard. But now the format's kind of shifted again. We've seen a push away from reanimators, so we've seen Thragtus come back down a little bit, and Craterhoof Behemoth, I also believe, has come back down a little bit. Still both expensive, but not at their peaks anymore. Yep. Right. That um, lets us move on to our question of the week. Do you think anything's going to get axed or unbanned in the next B&R announcement? Now, we were having a look earlier, and we couldn't see anything which is really sticking out like a sore thumb in the various formats is something which needed to be got rid of, with the possible exception of show-and-tell in legacy-based formats. Yeah, it's the only card that that I know of. Right now, standard and modern seem pretty diverse. They might want to cons- they might consider unbanning some cards in modern, like they have in the past when the pr- format has been okay, but given we're in an off-time, off-season, that might be hard to judge about how the format is doing. And standard is fine. There's quite a lot of variability, and we see the format shift with every new event that occurs. But in Legacy, you know, even though it's not totally dominant, we've seen show and tell spike from being just a couple of dollars to now being up in the $40 range on Magic Online due to its incredible popularity. And it has the, the survival of the fittest problem. Um, so recently, 
and one of the more recent announcements, Survival of the Fittest got banned from Legacy because it became a problem because of cards that have been printed since it was made. And they can't just ban those cards because eventually they're going to print other cards like that that will continue to make Survival a problem. So they rather just, you know, break the engine rather than attack the little pieces along the way. And I think Show and Tell is the type of card that, even if it's not now, will eventually get to a point where there are too many engines and there are too many problem cards that survive, that Show and Tell could work with, and it'll have to go by the wayside. Yep. Ryan. And as far as the Magic Online-specific formats, nothing specifically stood out as far as we could look at, you know, Popper and things of that nature. They seem to be kind of chugging along the way they do, so that's our only hunch. If you have something else, though, feel free to let us know. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to what you've been playing. Kia, what you've been playing? Well, I went ahead and played in the TCG Player Diamond event that was taking place in my backyard, uh, which was nice. And it actually was in my backyard, not in Fort Worth like all the other Dallas events are. For those of you who are in Texas, even though they the cities are thought of in conjunction, they are quite a ways apart. Anyways, I figured, hey, at the last SCG event that I played in, I did pretty well with Hexproof. It's still a deck. Let me see if I can roll with that. And unfortunately, I just got rolled and went 2-2 and was done and done. All right. How about you? Also went 2-2, although in a four-round event. Uh, I did have a manage to break the Gathering program, which is uh, a popular um, program used to keep an eye on player-run events on Magic Online, automating much of the process of uh, uh, running them. Uh, but they don't have an icon for colorless decks. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, how did you manage to make a deck so ridiculous and, and crazy that you broke the deck registration program? You didn't even get to the match to break things. Well, it's more a case of a missing icon, if you will. <laughs> they have nothing to represent decks which don't actually have any color whatsoever. I quite like that sort of deck. Yes, you, you are a fan of your Eldrazi Golem construct type things. Don't forget Gargoyles. And Gargoyles, yes. Yes. Uh, remarkably underrated tribe, that, um, especially given they've got uh, two indestructible members and quite a few flying beat sticks. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, tough week for us both, I guess. Two and two, not the best of showing, but we've had our days in the past, and we'll have more in the future, I suppose. Yep, or at least they will do once the current season of Doctor Who ends and I no longer need to uh, miss around to uh, um, watch it with family. That that would help, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, family first always. Fact. Okay, well, I believe that covers everything for this week's episode, so thanks guys for tuning in, and uh, you know if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, you can leave comments in the show notes at PureMTGO.com, or you can email us at FreedFromTheRealMTGO, all one word, at gmail.com. Right. Until next week, uh, have a great time. All right. Later, guys.